Welcome aboard the Disabled Diva podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this journey of exploration and conversation. Together, we'll dive into the intriguing topics that have been sparking discussions within my vibrant online Facebook communities, the Disabled Diva's Chronic Pain Community and the Psoriatic Arthritis Community hosted by WebMD. But that's not all. I'll be sharing my personal thoughts, experiences, and current reflections. Each conversation holds valuable insights waiting to be uncovered. So without further ado, let's kickstart the show and delve into a world of engaging discussions. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, I am going to jump off a little bit of what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about um, misconception of happiness and acceptance within the grief cycle of chronic illness. And um, so we're going to go a little bit more on acceptance this week. So last week, I shared that, you know, I've recently come to a place of accepting that my husband is my caregiver. And, you know, it was not an easy um, place to come to, but I did, and it's quite liberating, believe it or not, but um, it, it wasn't, except it was not an easy place to come to, because it was not the only issue I was dealing with. Um, like I mentioned in the original uh, Grief Cycle presentation, is that, you know, when it comes to chronic illness in the grief cycle, we're going through it multiple levels. Um, there's always something that's being taken from us or that's been uh, had to be modified or adjusted or there's always something new. It's whether it's a new illness, new symptom, you know, issues with a new medication or a new limitation. Um, we're always dealing with something. So, for me, coming to the acceptance that my husband's my caregiver, like I said, that was not the only thing. I was also, for the past two years, really, really, really struggling to accept that my abdominal pain from the adhesions and scar tissue, it's here to stay. And it's something I am going to have to learn to live with. Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what how I was able to accept it, why I was able to accept it, and what it means. Some people think because I've already accepted that, you know, I have fibromyalgia and psoriatic um, arthritis is going to be a part of my life, you know, till the day I die, that accepting another condition for the rest of my life would be just as easy. But it's not, especially because there really is no comparison of them. Um, fibromyalgia and psoriatic arthritis are 
nothing compared to the pain I experienced with endometriosis, scar tissue, and adhesions. Um, that pain is, it's, it's, it's traumatic. It is like having an ongoing trauma taking place within my body every day. Like I'm being stabbed. I have, excuse me. I have knives that feel like they're just, you know, screw it's okay. Imagine like, um, Wolverine and he's <laughs> got his claws out and it's like, he's scraping my pelvic floor or he's trying to pull apart my ribs or he decides he wants to, uh, uh, try to rip my bladder in half or maybe he's going to decide he's going to twist my, um, intestines or scrape my stomach he it's awful it's like i don't even want to i've heard people call it like they've got like the feral cats inside them but it is it's honestly it's awful it is such a traumatic pain especially when the adhesions pull from my muscle after they've embedded into them or when they pull from um an organ um the pain has gotten so bad when it pulls away now that I, it's not a relief. I don't get relief anymore now. It's just such sharp pain that when it happens in the moment, I vomit and I go into an extreme panic attack where I just, I can't breathe. I can't focus. All I wanted, I'm butt burning up. I just want to get naked and run. Um, so this has happened three times, like when I was on rides at Disneyland a year, over a year ago. And so at that point I decided, you know what, I'm done with rides. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I love the park and I still go for other reasons, but I do not go on rides more than, you know, that, that don't allow me to stay in my wheelchair or that's going to jerk me around or have a sharp turn or anything that could trigger a pulling or ripping of adhesions from my muscles or my organs. That's what I deal with on a daily basis. So it's not the same. Like with fibro, I get relief. I get breaks. Psoriatic arthritis, I get breaks. It's not always affecting the exact same part of my body all the time. You know, sometimes it's my knees, sometimes it's my back or my hands. But the flares travel, and it's rare for me to actually have a flare that affects my entire body with it. So with that said, there is no comparison to what I'm dealing with this with this other. At one time, maybe there was, because I used to get breaks. I, I There were two occasions where I went 18 months each with a reprieve. And then beyond that, it was sometimes I'd get a couple months... Then it went down from a couple months to where I'd get a couple weeks reprieve. Then in the past two years, it went down to a couple days to where this past year, it's just, there's no break. There's no time for me to recover, nothing. Um, all my doctors will do, and I have come to the point of agreeing, and I'll explain that later, that um, there is nothing that can be done with it but to mask the pain the best that we can. And that's what we are doing. We have it a lot at a level, and I'll explain this later. But anyways, this is what I'm dealing with, okay? And I just I want that understood. 
it's painful. And, and I have a long history with abdominal chronic pain because of endometriosis. Since 2000 and what? 2003? Since 2000, and I've been dealing with this, I was dealing with this before in my teens, but I did get a reprieve after the birth of my son. And then 12 years later when I had my daughter, it was after she was born that I started having issues again. So since 2003, I've had cysts, ovarian cysts, all the time, well, until I had my ovaries taken out, um, <laughs> I had ovarian cysts that would burst, I have been dealing with adhesions, and still am dealing with adhesions that pull my organs, they rip from the sidewall, they embed themselves into the sidewall, they, they're just, they're mean and they're nasty. I've had, I had a hysterectomy, it was botched, the doctor, the surgeon, he left behind my left fallopian tube, it was, ended up being covered, when it was found, it was found embedded into my sidewall, um, it was covered in adhesions, it was covered in, it had endometriosis, it, um, and it was infected, it's like, I was so sick, and the sad part is, it took two years, two years and 21 sur surgical visits until I found a doctor who was willing to go to uh, say, okay, yeah, it is adhesions, that's part of the problem, and I'm willing to go in, and thankfully he did, because like I said, he found not just the fallopian tube, but he also found that my, my bowels were being strangled, so... I am so thankful for that surgery. Unfortunately, pain continued after that one. There were there were more problems. It took a total of three surgeries to fix, and I might say fix, not fix, but to address the errors that were made because not all could be fixed. And unfortunately, during one of those surgeries, um, a set of nerves that's rarely, rarely ever nicked were nicked. And actually, they weren't nicked. They were severed. Um, and so now I have permanent nerve damage throughout my pelvis and my left thigh, which also affects my mobility because I never know when I'm going to have feeling or control over my left leg. So that's a lot of fun. You know, through all these years, people, and, and to this day, when I tell how much pain I'm in, they're like, you need to go to the ER. You need to go to the ER. The ER is a waste of time for this kind of pain. Um, first of all, they can't see the problem. Any tests that they run, adhesions are not going to show. Adhesions only show in surgery. Um, so you're not they're not going to see the problem unless it's something else. So basically every time I go, I'm ruling out something, everything else in the world except for the, what is the problem. So, and then they, so, so they tell me we can't see anything, but we can give you something for the pain. So they give me something for the pain. Yes, it it gives me, you know, some relief, it knocks me out, then, you know, I end up, they send me home and it knocks me out for anywhere from 24 to 48 hours, and then I wake up with a raging hangover, um, it, and then the pain's still there, so, yeah, it's not worth it, and then they tell you, they, you know, they tell you, follow up with your doctor, come back if it gets worse, well, so you do that, right? I go back to them if it gets worse. It's the same thing. I go to my doctor. 
he relies on the test of the ER took. It shows nothing's wrong. So he tells me the exact same thing that the ER does. It's, yeah, it's, it's just not worth it. That's why this year it really became more important that my doctor and I had a conversation about keeping me comfortable. Um, and it was, except it was a hard pill to swallow. Um, I have to thank the antidepressant he gave me to help dealing with, to help deal with this because, um, it's not an easy thing to swallow, to swallow. Um, the antidepressant is, but accepting that this trauma that is going on within me, um, will never end. That was, it's devastating. Uh, I also want you to know that, that, yeah, I'm doing this with the help of an antidepressant. Um, don't think that if you are struggling and are extremely depressed about your situation that you're not normal because, oh, well, Cynthia, she accepted it. I didn't accept it on my own. I, I've got help, you know, and it's okay. I, I needed that help and I need it. And, um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, I treat for so long, the first 10 years, I was nothing but pharmaceutical. That's it. Unless it came from the doctor, I wasn't touching it. Um, that failed me. <laughs> so then the next 10 years, I was like, nope, everything is natural, everything alternative. And I did have a couple really good years. And I did have improvement of base, you know, compared to my first 10 years. Then we entered the the, the, the third 10 here, the, the third decade. And this is an, a whole new thing for me. I'm, I'm addressing it now with both. I'm not, not 100% treating it with pharma. I'm not 100% doing it naturally. I'm combining things and I'm doing what I need to do to not just physically get through the rest of my life, but to how I'm going to emotionally and mentally get through the rest of my life. The ER, for at least for me, is pretty much useless. One thing, one time, one instance that was really scary was um, in 2005, I was on, we lived in Arizona at the time and we were on vacation at Disneyland and I woke up with extreme abdominal pain and my first thing in my head was, was oh crap, what's, <laughs> they're gonna, send me back, you know, and I'm like, I was worried, but I was also vomiting every 20 minutes. I'm like, my God, something's wrong. Anyways, I got there. We, my husband got me, took me to the ER. We got there at 7 a.m. and they got me in for tests. Nothing was showing up. They saw a little inflammation, but nothing they, they couldn't figure out was what was wrong with me. In the meantime, pain meds are wearing off my body's freaking out again and there was a change of shift with the doctors thankfully there was because i had to wait for the new doctor to to allow them to give me more pain meds in the meantime um still being told that they couldn't find what was wrong with me new doctor walks over put his finger presses down on my appendix i practically jump off the table he turns to the nurse and says prepper for surgery we have an emergency appendectomy i was like thank god what scares me is if it wasn't for that shift change i could have died I'm like that's oh i really wish doctors would rely more on 
touching the patient, getting more than just the test results. Test results are fallible. You know, I had I got into an argument with one surgeon because he was reading back my MRI results and said, well, your, your appendix looks great. And at this point, this was two years after I'd had my appendix removed. And I said, well, there's a problem here because that's either not my test or something's wrong. I said, because I don't have an appendix. And he's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And I went through the whole story of, you know, and I even told him the hospital's name and everything. And he's like, are you sure it wasn't something else? I mean, we argued, we really, we got into a screaming match over whether I had an appendix or not. I'm like, this is so stupid. Um, <laughs> anyways, like I said, tests are not fallible, nor are the doctors who read it. People make mistakes. You know, it's just a matter of learning your own body and knowing when to fight. You know, back when, after the hysterectomy, it took two years till I could get a doctor willing to go in. 21 surgeons, 21 visits, where I left in tears because all I did was open my chart and saw that I had fibromyalgia and blamed it on that. I'm like, no, this isn't, no, that's not part of it. And they would not listen to me. Um... And those that didn't blame fibromyalgia, well, they decided it was all in my head and offered to write me a referral to a psychiatrist. <laughs> I'm like, it was so bad. I, uh, It's a wonder I survived that time. If you ever doubt your strength, don't. Think about what you've been through. Think about every appointment every test that showed nothing was wrong every time you've had to fight you are so strong um we don't get the credit we deserve for our strength you know all people see is that oh we're at home we're, we're on the recliner we're in bed we're in our pajamas they think we're weak they think we're you know but we're not we are strong stronger in ways people will i hope will never understand because it's heartbreaking it's absolutely heartbreaking especially <laughs> when it goes for so long and then your friends and your family that don't live with you they begin to decide with the doctors and they kind of agree you belong in a mental institution. It's I've been there. It's awful. Not to the mental institution. Managed to keep myself out of there. But I'll, you do sometimes wonder if you belong there. Because you're made to believe it. And it's it's wrong. It's so wrong. But that you know what? That's a whole other podcast that we're going to talk about another day. So now you know what I have to accept, right? Okay. One of the reasons for it being so difficult is that I know that in the past, pushing and fighting did help. However, because it's now gone on so long and there is so much damage that has taken place, I now have to agree with my doctors. I don't like it, but I do accept and agree what they say. I, this is a something that's going to be with me the rest of my life and the best we can do is to 
numb and mask the pain the best we can, you know, and for me to do do my part in not doing things that's going to increase the pain or make it worse, you know, and that's the conversation that I've been having with my doctor. And again, I'm not happy about it. I want to blame him, but it's not his fault for what's going on in me. And it's not my fault either. And I think that's the hardest thing is everyone wants something to blame or someone to blame. And that's, at least I do. <laughs> I like having something to blame, even if it is myself. Accepting something that's out of your control. It's not easy. It's, and it's not, I want to be very clear. A, I am not telling anybody how to go about accepting things in their own life. As in my personal story. This is just my personal story, okay? I'm not sharing medical advice. I'm not telling you at what point you should accept something. That's that's on, that's you. You need to figure it out. You'll know when you're ready to accept something or when something should be accepted or when it's still a danger that you need to keep pushing. You know your body. I don't know your body. And I also want to be clear that I haven't given up. I'm still fighting. I accept this pain's going to be with the rest of my life, but I'm going to fight to live every day the best that I can. I'm going to not do things. I'm not going to do things that are going to make the pain worse. And I'm going to start living. I'm, I, I'm done putting my life on hold. And that's why I had to come to this acceptance. I had to accept this so that I can go and enjoy my vacation in a couple weeks. You know, I, I'm done waiting to live. I don't know how many years I have left, you know? And so my husband and I started planning our next year will be our 25th um, wedding anniversary. And um, we're planning a major trip that um, a year ago, if he would have brought it up, I would have been like, yeah, in the future, well, you know, maybe when I'm better, but I now know I'm not going to get better. So we're not putting that trip on hold. We are planning full speed ahead and I'm excited for it because I accept where I'm at and I accept that I need his assistance and his help while there and it's going to be different. I can't compare it to past vacations. I can't plan it like past vacations. Every, vac every trip will now have to be planned with where I'm at at that moment and that's okay. I'm ready for that. I'm ready to live even though it means I'm living in pain. Um, again, thankful I had the conversation though with my doctor because yes, we were able to bring the pain down. Um, and having the, anti the antidepressant really helped because I was extremely depressed. It wasn't that I wanted to die. I just felt like I was dying. And now I feel alive. It's, it's hard to explain. I feel alive. I'm happy and I'm content, even though I'm in pain. And what I want to explain is that he's, like I said, he's done a really good job at lowering my daily pain level so that I'm, the pain that I do deal with are um, the flares from the out of the norm flare ups from psoriatic arthritis. And um, my fibro really hasn't been that bad. I've not noticed a really bad um, 
muscle achiness. Um, but I've had a couple bad flare-ups in the abdomen that were painful, but for the daily ripping and whatnot pain, we have it down to where I just, I feel pressure. I can feel pressure and tingling. So I know the areas where that are being affected. I can tell where the damage is going on, but I don't feel it at the intensity that it's happening in. And I'm okay with that right now. I'm okay with that. Um, you, for you, you'll just find someday, hopefully, a place that you can be happy with your pain. So one thing I, you know, I have to keep reminding friends and family of is that yes, I accept this, and yes, that does mean that you know, and yes, my pain has been lowered, but that it's still going on. Um, so there, I you know people are like, so for those that are waiting for me to get better, well, it's not going to happen. This really is as good as it's going to get. You know, that's just the way it is. I, I'm not. I agree with my doctor, as in surgery really isn't the option at this point until it does do damage. When it damages my organs, obviously I'm going to push and push. But for what it's doing right now, all I can do is just manage it the best I can. Um, learn to live differently because three weeks to three months, because my pain usually returns within three weeks to three months, that's too short of a time period to put my body through surgery for. It's not worth it unless, like I said, it's a t one of my organs end up being getting ripped or, you know, torn or something. Um, until it damages or attempts to really do some major damage to an organ, there's really nothing that can be done. And then, yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, I haven't given up on life. I plan on living well despite the pain. You know, I just accepted that not not everyone and not everything is fixable. And that's, yeah. <laughs> so I have rambled on enough this week. I apologize for the rambling. It's been just a wild week. But with the weather, I've, I've got nothing done and I run to get this done. And I didn't really plan it out. So I apologize. <laughs> uh, hopefully next, I'll make sure next week's better. But now it's your turn. It doesn't matter what your chronic illness or pain is. At some point, you have had to come to some level of acceptance of living with it. And if you haven't, where are you in that journey? But it's, there's some level of acceptance. I would like to know, was there a particular pain, a particular symptom, or a particular diagnosis in general that was harder to accept than others? And why? Like I said, for me, this one was the hardest. Because for one, it's one of the least respected issues that I have. It's one that is women are being gaslit and ignored over. It's one that takes women forever to get diagnosed with. And by that time, damage is done. And then the rest of the world trying to tell you that, well, just have a baby, it'll get better. Have a hysterectomy, it'll get better. Well, you know what? It didn't. Uh, so, yeah. Until next time, this is the Disabled Diva, here to remind you that you are not alone. I appreciate your time and attention. 
Remember, you can catch this podcast on popular platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Be sure to subscribe and tune in on your preferred listening platform. Until we meet again, take care, and this is the Disabled Diva reminding you that you are not alone.